Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Everybody wants to know what I would do if I didn't win. I guess we'll never know. So keep your love. I don't get enough of it. Jesus just rose again. Listen to the kids. Welcome to Watching the Throne. A lyrical analysis of Kanye West. My name is Chris Lambert. And my name is Travis Bean. And uh, hey, Chris, how you doing? Why'd you, why'd you say it like that? Uh, what, man? I was just asking you how you're doing. What, what's the big deal? No, I mean, I'm doing good. I mean, I was doing good. I, I don't. What, just... what, wait, why are you acting like that towards me? Did, did I do something? No, man. Uh, I mean, did you do something? I mean, I only me. did something if you did something. Oh, you're saying I did something? I, I you're accusing we're... me of doing something. I, I, don't, I think we're caught in a paranoid loop. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Movie title. <laughs> paranoid Par- loop. Whoa. I almost want to cut this out of the podcast. That's a good idea. <laughs> Nobody take that. It is officially trademarked. <laughs> it's a sequel to Looper. We're going to contact Ryan Johnson. I still have Ryan Johnson's email memorized. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is it a complicated one or is it just Ryan Johnson at Gmail? It, it was essentially that <laughs> do you do you want to give it out live in the air yes or no no i'll there's like one a couple details in there that aren't that but it was essentially that if it was I, when we uh go ahead you remember this right you saw it too i saw what his email that god i i don't remember the story so travis came down to austin travis and lauren came down to austin and when they were here we did an escape room at the Alamo Draft House. Oh, yeah. And at the end of the escape room, and it was during the Fantastic Fest Film Festival, which is a really like genre specific. It tends to be a lot of like thriller, horror, mm-hmm. uh, some art house things, but uh, it tends to get weird. And there are a lot of people in the movie industry that come down, like Elijah Wood's there every year. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so we did this escape room that was part of it. And at the end, they were like, please sign up for our newsletter. And when they handed us the clipboard, there was Ryan Johnson's name and Aya Cash. <laughs> yeah, Aya Cash. And uh, Aya Cash from, what was the TV show? You're the Worst. You're the Worst. And then just in season two of... Um, the Boys? The Boys, yeah. Yeah. And she's great in everything. But it was just funny, like, seeing both of their names, their email addresses right there yeah. and being like, huh. Oh, they well, must want me to contact them. Yeah, I still remember Aya's <laughs> email, too. I, I don't know what that says about you, Chris, but I don't know if it's a good thing. It's just slightly photographic memory. I don't, like, have <laughs> Slightly a... that slight creep. Yeah. I just always remember dates and remember, like, 
emails and my credit card number like immediately when I get it. Wow. It's just the image stays in my head. That's a humble brag if I've ever heard one. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? I remember my credit card number the second I look at it. What are you going to do when you <laughs> got it? Curse. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> and a blessing. You don't know the amount of financial crimes I've committed. Oh, wow. When are you going to cut me in on this? <laughs> Wait, did you? are you the one that stole my money? <sighs> Travis, you're being paranoid oh, again. Paranoid loop. Gosh, I can't get out. Yeah. Anyway, so paranoid, paranoid. by Kanye West. Let's move on, Travis. Don't ask him more questions. All right. I'm, okay, I'll stop thinking about it. I won't be thinking about it the entire time we're talking about paranoid. Beautiful. But, uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. So this is the, what, sixth song? Is that where we're at? Uh, yeah, the yeah. sixth Number song six. on 808s and Heartbreak. And it's kind of the first, like, upbeat song. I don't know. Do you consider Heartless upbeat? Um, It's, I mean, Heartless is made for the radio. So in that sense, yeah, but not really. Like, if I'm thinking about, like, the actual tempo of the song, and uh, the lyrical content, <laughs> I don't know if I can call it an upbeat song. Yeah, I'm just thinking like tempo, like paranoid just kind of has a bounce to it. Well, yeah, and right. It, like it, you don't really get a bounce on Love Lockdown or Amazing or Welcome to Heartbreak or Say You Will. Yeah, it, it, that that's an interesting way to look at it because like a lot of radio songs don't necessarily need to be up-tempo. And, and if I really think about it, about it a lot of them aren't like a lot of them need to be like poppy in a more low-key way uh not tom hiddleston low-key just like l-o-w-k-e-y <laughs> um i don't know what that would entail but just in case anyone was confused um paranoid to me is more of like i mean it's like a new wave song you know it sounds like you're listening to like to the go-go's or new order it's it's upbeat in in that way um uh, but i mean interestingly enough like most new wave songs are not happy fun songs they're just kind of like have an upbeat energy and a lot of their lyrical content is like fucking sad or rebellious you know it's like anything but like hey we're out having a good time and once you know it kind of doing the exact same thing on his song <laughs> yeah this is uh <laughs> even if there's a little bit of bounce to the production the lyrics are as intense as anything else on this album so far, but just in a different way. Cause yes. instead of detailing the longing of say you will, or the kind of existential crisis of welcome to heartbreak and amazing, or the combative, like <laughs> I'll be better in this breakup than you of heartless and love lockdown. Paranoid is in the midst of a relationship that's falling apart. Right. And you're kind of watching <laughs> <laughs> the energy that Kanye has here is he's, I guess, trying to maintain the relationship, though mm. it almost feels ironically at times. He's doing a shitty job. Um, yeah. I, uh, I I think it'll be interesting to talk about this song because, like, you know, we're a lyrical analysis. And, and I think, like you've pointed out, a lot of Kanye's songs up to this point, they're lyrically like nuanced you know like um like you think he's saying one thing but he's saying something else but he's also like very poetic on this album like not a lot of lyrics like he's very sparing with his words 
Um, he's trying to like convey a lot of emotion with, she, with each line. And to me, that's like the Chris Lambert special. Like, I feel like you're eating <laughs> that shit up. Um, Paranoid kind of isn't that. Like, mm-hmm. it's kind of a, if I'm comparing it to something like Heartless or Welcome to Heartbreak, like it's kind of a simple song, um, which makes me think Chris might not like it quite as much. <laughs> but I actually think like, I feel like there, there's a lot going on. Um, like there's nuance to the presentation of the lyrics and what Kanye's really trying to convey and how it fits into like the 808's narrative and this character he's creating. Like, I think it's a really interesting song and, and, and especially interesting because it's so different from all the other songs. Like it, this and RoboCop, like they feel very removed and, and I think it, it fits in with like the bounciness and the upbeatness of those songs. Like, like there's a reason the lyrics are a little simpler and like the, the feeling they're giving off and the presentation they're giving off of the character. I feel like all of that, I'm just interested to explore that as we go on, because I feel like hopefully people come away from paranoid from this episode, like with a little bit of deeper appreciation of it and realize that it's not as simple as it seems. We will get to the bottom of that, you know? Yeah, I well, could be wrong. Especially <laughs> intercontextuality. Like, I, the thing that's jumping out to me on this, like, listen in this context is, you know, we found a pretty, what seemed like maybe more of a linear uh, progression from Say You Will to Love Lockdown that we talked mm-hmm. about in the last episode. And coming out of Love Lockdown, where does the character kind of go and will this kind of show that there is more of a a narrative going on or more of a a flow rather than just being disconnected um facets of what kanye was feeling at the time and paranoid is kind of an interesting follow because love lockdown does kind of go all over the place in terms of kanye trying to end the relationship ending the relationship And then in that third verse saying like, you choose, you choose Mm -hmm. and kind of coming back to (laughs) the things being up in the air and knowing that love lockdown kind of talks about, you need to keep your love locked down in the VH1 storytellers. It was saying, this is how you keep a relationship going. You need to keep your love and maintain it. So I do wonder how much paranoid is a follow-up to that concept and that idea and just yeah, we'll see. We'll get into it. I, I mean, I definitely think it is. And we get that from like, because the the really fascinating thing about 808s, for me anyway, so far has been like, I, I, I very much like digging into the music. And it, I feel like 808s is really channeling like the music theorist in me where like I'm trying to read into like the actual the production and like what it's actually conveying like thematically and about the character and each of these songs seem to really flow in and out of each other in that way, like much more than any of the albums previous to this, I think. Like, I don't really think of the graduation songs as like, like they flow in and out of each other in a way that like they signal the progression of the storyline, but the songs on 808s like literally flow in and out of each other. (laughs) Like it feels like this very fluid thing um, and that happens here in this song. And to me, that that change, that it change in tone really does fit to exactly what you're saying. Um, but we could talk about that once we actually get into the lyrics and shit. Yeah. And then 
like most of this album, there's no sample um, <laughs> yeah. and no references. So we're just kind of focused <laughs> in on the lyrics themselves. Yeah. Um, the lyrics and the uh, music video, I guess. Oh, yeah, the music video. So the music video is an interesting one. This is one where Travis and I kind of uh, have separate vibes on. So yeah. the man behind the music video is Nabel Elderkin. And Elderkin also did the Welcome to Heartbreak video and would do the Coldest Winter video. So got to do three of the 808s videos. <laughs> did it do the one that's the best one? <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> That's what I was saying. I, I was telling Travis, I was just like, oh, those are the three that I kind of <laughs> am not the most fond of. Yeah. Um, and this was one that as I was watching it, I was just like, it has some cool visuals and aesthetic elements. And of course, it's nice seeing Kanye and Rihanna, but it just didn't do anything for me. It's not one I'm I'm into, but eh. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think it just is more of a stylistic difference in our taste because um i don't always need well i i just like things that are like flashy and showy sometimes like very stylistic and just like own up to their to their aesthetic and and just embrace it and this video definitely does that it's basically a recreation of a universal monster movie like a silent horror movie or something and you know you got rihanna driving in the car with the fake backdrop like it's all stuff i like in the movie in the the movie <laughs> the music video plays all those elements enough and like flows between all these different cuts and and different kinds of shots like it, it i feel like it's just done well uh but i feel like we probably can agree in the sense that like it's not as deep as you would like a kanye video to be like as much as i like style and charisma like i also like there to be a point and for something for me to chew on. <laughs> and I feel like in all three of this guy's videos, like there aren't, they're more just like, they feel like student films. They feel very artsy and convey like a single idea really well, but it's not like a melding of lots of ideas or something that enlightens the album narrative. And it makes you look at the song in a new perspective. Kind of like yeah, I, I just... would think that uh, like, uh, well, like love lockdown would do or something like homecoming. Yeah, even thinking about something as simple as the amazing video was, right? Right. Like, this is way more involved than the amazing video in terms of just, like, the scope, the amount of shots, like, the sequences that are going on. But it doesn't convey as much to me as the amazing video did just in terms of, like, the juxtaposition that amazing had in terms of Kanye's like scope of his kingdom versus how small his world feels because he's essentially trapped. Yeah. Right. Um, I will say the thing that this video really does convey and maybe reinforces is that it doesn't feature, it doesn't focus on Kanye, right? It focuses he shows up on in the background and shit, but yeah. Yeah. He's like constantly kind of appearing and saying things and often like, he his eyes will like flash the eyes of a monster yeah um at times so it's like the emphasis is on rihanna and her being in kind of this like horror setting with kanye as a figure in the background so th there's a focus on her and the sense of danger 
and paranoia she would be feeling, but it's kind of positioning Kanye as the antagonist, which when you just listen to the song itself, Kanye feels positioned more as like the sane one yeah. that's telling the girl to kind of calm down, which I think if you can, the video can stand on its own and convey a different thing than the song. But I do think the video looking at that and knowing how involved Kanye was, it reinforces some of the idea that Kanye's probably gaslighting this woman uh, yeah. to a certain degree. Yeah. I feel like it is conveying a lot. I, just, I don't know how much I want to get into before we get into the song, but, but I will say that a huge part of it, a huge part of the song, I think that maybe a lot of people probably don't hear or don't read into very much because again, I think it's, it's like a fun boppy song that like, I think we think of generally as superficial, like in the sense that like, it's not deep, but the thing of Kanye is like, it's always deep. <laughs> we wouldn't have this show if that wasn't the case. Um, and there's always duality to his songs. And much like I think we're seeing in the video where like, yeah, Kanye is presented as this like figure that's like luring on the outside and Rihanna's running from like, there are parts of the video where like Rihanna's like a crazy woman and like laughing maniacally. Like there's, um, there's different ways to look at her in the video and i and i kind of get that energy from this song i mean i can't help but think of rihanna as like a giant celebrity <laughs> who's like was in a similar position to kanye like her rise in the world and and all of the obstacles she would have pre been presented and all the vices she could have fallen prey to like I, I can't help but think like there's duality to her character in the way that i think is happening on the song where I, I yes kanye is talking to this woman the whole time um, but I, I feel like a lot of the song is Kanye talking to himself or reflecting on his relationship with fame and how fame was sold to him. There, there's that element throughout the song, I feel like, in that I, I think you can immediately stop looking at the lines so plainly and you can start thinking of Kanye like reckoning with himself and starting to think about like, because every song on this album leading up to this point has just been about pain heartbreak loneliness and he has to at some point confront like how he got there and i feel like i'm paranoid we're seeing that more in a metaphorical kind of way like he's not directly addressing it but in his storyteller way addressing it and like giving us signs that like the entire song could be read as like a double entendre yeah which i mean you look at the flow from like paranoid into robocop and applying that same logic to robocop mm -hmm. leading to streetlights yeah feels like a great uh arc yeah right and you know I, even what i talked about in terms of like reading into the gaslighting the the start of the video is rihanna in bed and the shadow hands pulling the cover off of her right yeah. and the end of the video is her in bed with the shadow hands pulling the cover up mm -hmm. which puts all of the stuff in between in the frame of a dream Right. So, like, how much of it is just her perception of Kanye, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. there you have even more duality. Exactly. All right. <laughs> Anything about the production you want to talk about before we get into the intro? Yeah, I think, um, well, again, I'm, I'm thinking of the end of Lock Love Lockdown, where, like, you know, the song really explodes at the end. Like, all these sounds come together at once. And Kanye's saying, you lose over and over. You lose, you lose. 
And as you pointed out, like there's multiple meanings to what love lockdown means. Um, but there's also, I think I, I look at that phrase as you lose as a double-edged sword as well. Like he could be talking to the woman he broke up with and he could be saying it to himself, you know, like he could, it could be this empowering thing or he's conveying to the listener that he lost out of this chance to, at love when this relationship ended. So when all those sounds come together at once, it's like kind of a big mixed bag. Like it's either this cathartic moment where Connie thinks he's come out on top, even though it isn't really that celebratory of a moment because <laughs> Connie lost this woman and he's alone now. Um, or it's this cacophony of pain and suffering that captures how broken his life is. And the best part of all this at the end, which is, again, a trend we keep seeing on this album, where music really builds and builds and builds, and then it like fades away at the end. And it shrinks down to just the piano and the drums at the end of Love Lockdown, and then closes out with just that heartbeat sound that opened the song. It's another one of those like quiet moments on the album that seems to capture like the monotony, monotony and somberness of Kanye's mental state. Like it reveals something really, after all, like you know the showy production and the storytelling. Like it reveals something really real and honest about Kanye that I think is being masked by all that other stuff and the ego and everything. So as we go in the paranoid, I can't help but think of that the very beginning of paranoid you know the like to me that sounds like a heartbeat it's just it done in a very different way than we've been used to which it's been very slow you know and methodical up to now and conveyed this like uh still lifestyle like kind of in stasis and i feel like that's very purposeful to take this heartbeat that feels dark and bleak and ramp it up to something that feels energetic and happy uh it, it could be and if we're seeing a, a transition from song to song which i don't know how much i buy into this like you could read that as that feeling he had in love lockdown like he came out on top you know like a like it could be a good feeling but i don't i feel like that's not a very clean reading and what makes more sense to me is that the heartbeat is ramped up because he's stressed <laughs> stressed by yeah. the fact that his life is empty and he can't find love and stressed by the prospect of being a celebrity of no stability in his life like those that to me is all the energy that's been conveyed in this album so far so the second paranoid starts and the second it is trying to convince me that it's fun and hopeful like i don't believe it <laughs> and that heartbeat thing is something i noticed like in the outro too i felt like when the song was ending you really get that sense of the the racing heart yeah mm. i just okay. i love that because i don't know if i've ever thought of paranoid that way because I, I feel like everybody recognizes the heartbeat and the heart monitor but i've never i've never thought of paranoid being in that like i just always thought like oh it's a fun poppy song yeah turns out <laughs> 
more to it. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Turn it away. <laughs> Why are you so paranoid? Don't be so paranoid. Don't be so. Well, the intro, which, ah. Uh, Honestly, I've always heard like the she really thought that and the yeah, she's so paranoid in terms uh, of uh yeah, so it's like a female says she really thought that and then she's so paranoid and you kind of hear yeah, that's good paranoid, but I'd never hear anything else being said. Uh but apparently what you hear girls going to love this song and then you mean, why are you so paranoid? You didn't hear it when you listened to it today? Yeah, I like had headphones on. I was trying to hear. Maybe I just need the volume cranked all the way up. <laughs> yeah, they definitely say all that. Okay. <laughs> Funny. Because I feel like there's times I listen to the song and I only really hear the like first, why are you so paranoid? <laughs> right, yeah. It, it definitely sticks out a little more. That's probably all it is. Yeah, but starting with that intro, like where they're talking about <laughs> the woman yeah. is exactly the thing that starts paranoia right like someone's like paranoid are you talking about me and it's like no no but they are talking about her and are they talking about her because she was paranoid or were they already <laughs> this kind of thing like how much has he already been talking about her that started the paranoia yeah it's uh i love this opening uh, as chris knows i like meta moments and to me this is very meta it's um because the song again, like every song up to this point, I, I feel like has been real and honest from Kanye's point of view and what he's been feeling. But it's also it's art, it's music. Like he's putting on a performance in a way, and this is a moment that's meant to be read as like a fly in the wall moment. And I think because of that, it becomes like revealing of the character in this album in a way that we haven't had so far. Because Connie's been trying to relay all of these feelings and paint this picture of this person. But here we just have like Connie and this girl are joking about this woman in Connie's life who is so paranoid and needs to calm the fuck down and stop worrying so much about Kanye. But here Kanye is talking with another woman about how dumb this woman is and <laughs> how, you know, girls are gonna love this song. And and uh this conversation comes after several songs where Kanye has expressed how he wants to find love and build family and find stability in his life. Like this, this sort of fly in the wall moment is something new where we're we're seeing him and we're seeing like the real person and it reveals that he's really to blame for a lot of his own problems. Like, why is he not taking this more seriously? Like, if he actually likes this woman, he should be concerned that she's paranoid. Like, she probably has a reason to be paranoid and he, he probably needs to stop acting the way he does. Yeah, it it puts it in that gray area, right? Because if the song didn't have this intro 
And it was just the refrain starting like, baby, don't worry about it. Don't even think about it. You worry about the wrong things and like getting into all the paranoia stuff. You'd be like, okay, maybe he has a point. But by including this intro where he is talking with another woman, talking bad about the woman, you're absolutely right. And that it, it starts to cast doubt on how, how much we should take Kanye at his word in the song itself and how much of a good guy he is like being patient with this woman that's being like needlessly paranoid. Yeah. It's also such an artistic choice to make it seem like real and in the moment. It reminds me of like last call. When you hear last call, you think you're in the studio with Kanye while he's making last call. (laughs) Like you're part of the fun, you're part of the story and he's just like talking to you. And I feel like you could see something similar being done here. Like, Kanye, the character on this song, doesn't know that we can hear him, but the guy who made the song knows we can hear him, and like it's this sudden insight into him, and it's again, it's it's something very real. It's no longer like art. It's meant to be seen as like, oh, here this guy is being a douchebag. Yeah, <laughs> and I do think there are probably people that will just be like, what if his girl was paranoid? Like he can't talk about it with someone else. Like maybe it's just being like honest and an honest reaction maybe maybe but i think with how much we've seen kanye kind of go with duality at times and going with the multifaceted aspect of like he's never on most of his albums like 100 percent at fault but also not 100 percent innocent either uh this is just another instance of having that duality yeah that was something i was interested to talk about in this song because I I mean it, it I mean I, I could ask you this Chris but I feel like we're on the same level so like I guess I'm asking people out there like it, uh, do people find these lyrics believable and like empowering like can you get behind Kanye and think like yeah like this woman blah 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 like I I don't know if I can make a legitimate case for any reading like that because, you know, like you said, we always read duality in Kanye's lyrics and and we've dissected hundreds of his songs and like know what he does. I, I like I, I can't help but think of like can't tell me nothing and how like, yeah, you can be empowered by the sentiment in that song. And yes, I think Kanye's being truthful in the things he's saying. He's being honest, but I also think Kanye knows that his words are a double-edged sword and there are consequences for acting the way he does. And the characters in his song seem to always sidestep those consequences and just embrace their egos. And it never leads to good things. Like I have a hard time believing that like, I'm just supposed to be buying into this dude's side and think like, Oh, this woman's so paranoid and annoying. (laughs) Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. Like to me, it just kind of reads, like you can sense the irony kind of like drunken hot girls right to where right. Like, i hear that song at this point not the first time i heard it when i was what 20 and being like oh what a misogynist <laughs> and turned it off right but now being like oh how could like anybody take him seriously and not see like the the irony the commentary like even if the character in the song is being like a douche the artist Kanye is aware of that and presenting it for a reason and making him out to be a bit more ridiculous. I wonder if that's kind of the same relationship people will have here. Like there are people that do take it as face value just because they might just 
think most songs are like coming at them at face value. Uh, but there's going to be people that are just like, yeah, this has to be like, <laughs> yeah. like gaslighting. This has to be someone just kind of like maintaining power. I mean, in a lot of ways, it reminds me lyrically. We talked about how sonically the outro on Say You Will is reminiscent of Runaway. Mm-hmm. Um, it just more of the concept wise, right? Not that the sounds on Say You Will are similar to Runaway, but having that extended outro that's kind of an embodiment of the lyrics that you just heard and is repeating the message without necessarily having the lyrics. Uh, This song in some ways reminds me of Runaway in terms of the actual lyrics of like, Mm -hmm. run away from me, baby. But then also like, nah, do you see this Versace sofa? What are you doing? (laughs) Like, (laughs) like, you know, waitress with the Mai Tais, come here. Uh, There's that tension that gets brought up in terms of lifestyle and not thinking too hard about the other aspects of the relationship where this is a little more one-dimensional than runaway but i think kanye was kind of in the same mindset yeah i definitely agree it's not as complex to runaway uh musically and probably lyrically but i i do think that kind of that tension you're talking about like it's definitely here like he's trying to push this woman away and say like stop worrying like don't be so paranoid but also like is presenting his celebrity lifestyle something awesome like hey come on like just relax and be part of my life which is probably secretly like please don't fucking leave me i need you to be part of my life so like this this playful like i don't care attitude he ha- kind of has the whole time that's seems to be joyful with this bouncy beat like the more joyful it's being the less I believe it and the more vulnerable I think he's being and actually saying like, God, please don't leave me. Like I need you. Yeah. Yeah. So like yeah. it is complex in that way. Like runaway is it's, I just don't think it's as, as immediately recognizable. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, definitely not as immediately recognizable, but there is like a more, subtle aspect to that longing but it doesn't mean that that sense of longing isn't there right right yeah just runaway is more powerful the way it conveys it like it just is you hear it and you're like you feel it yeah (laughs) which makes it better so (laughs) yeah kind of just leveling up what he's doing album after album I i think it's similar to what we talked about with um aspects of the the concerts like kanye feeling like he's in front of a crowd when he's performing big brother at the end of graduation mm-hmm. versus him actually being in front of a crowd performing <laughs> paranoid or Pinocchio story uh, to where you just kind of see he has ideas that he executes on one album and then like blows up that idea on the next album and really makes it a lot more artistic than that first go around. Yeah. That's funny. We were sitting here, you know, comparing paranoid and runaway and in my head, I'm like, yeah, but runaway came out like way after paranoid of course he leveled up like no it was just two years later just two years <laughs> <laughs> like that's how much he leveled up that quickly don't be so baby don't worry about it hey yeah, don't even think about it you worry about the wrong things the wrong thing you worry about the
baby don't worry about it hey there don't even think about it it's like the hey there's such a i mean he doesn't deliver it like a, a little league coach but i always kind of imagine a little league coach going up to a kid that just struck out and giving like a little punch to the shoulder and being like hey there don't even think about it mm-hmm. you know you'll get him next time slugger <laughs> is that what you're going to say to your kids when you coach the baseball team no, I'm going to be like, what the f- <laughs> You struck out. <laughs> You're off the team. Ken Griffey Jr. would have done this. No, Ken Griffey. Yeah, Ken Griffey Jr. has had a very complicated relationship with his dad. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, it's just like that kind of pressure growing up with like a baseball dad yeah. that was like a major league player. My, uh, when I was in Australia, Ken Griffey Sr. Ken Griffey Sr. was at a, a trading card show that came through Canton, Ohio. And my mom went for me to get an autograph. And I had a card that's like Griffey and his dad, both like on the card, like their arms around each other. And when my mom handed the card to Griffey Sr., he just looked at it for a <laughs> long time. And it got to the point where like the woman managing the table was kind of like, Mr. Griffey, are you okay? <laughs> wow. And he was like, it's just, you know, a lot of memories attached to this. It wasn't always like good times with my son during this time. Oh, wow. And yeah, it's just like kind of wild to think about because the photos, them like so happy with their arms like around each other and smiling. But for him, he's thinking about everything surrounding that moment. Anyway, maybe, maybe you shouldn't coach your kids' baseball team. <laughs> Yeah, let someone else do that. I'm just like, <laughs> son, here's a participation trophy. There you go. You know, do your best. Daughter, do your best. I relate. I have a bunch of green ribbons in my room. Do you? Oh, yeah. All kinds of participation trophies. <laughs> You're a participator. I always say that about you. I'm always there. Whether you want me there or not, I'm there. Yeah. Is Travis a champion? I don't know about that, but he's certainly a participator. <laughs> Did he help the team? Maybe not always, but he was there. <laughs> he was there. He was there. It sounds like the start of a like college dropout sketch. <laughs> he was there. Okay, so you worry about the wrong things, the wrong thing. So essentially, like, I, this is the line in terms of, like, talking about the duality that we've expressed mm-hmm. on this song. Like, he's essentially telling her, you know, don't be so paranoid. Like, don't even think about the things that you're thinking about worrying about me with, like, other women, right? That's not the thing you should be worrying about. <laughs> right. I mean, and you could read that as, like, you know, you should be worried about, like, life or career. Like, don't worry about me and, like, our relationship. But you could also read it as a little more sinister as, like, yeah, you're just that's not the thing you should be worried about here i guess like i was thinking more we don't even to me this is such an ambiguous way to start to sound because like we don't even know what the wrong things are really yeah that's i guess i guess we could think it's like women that's the natural way to go but again i'm in this mode where i think like oh what is what poetry is Kanye writing this time like what duality is he conveying here because like i think about the album and his life has been filled of sadness and emptiness. Celebrity isn't what he thought it would be. He can't make a relationship work. He's desperate for human connection. So with all that in mind, like this girl is focused on the wrong things. Like what are the wrong things? Is it is she focused on like trivial things that he doesn't want in his life? 
But that doesn't make sense to me because of the rest of the song. Connie seems to be selling the trivial things. <laughs> so like, I'm trying to figure out here in the opening moments, like what's being conveyed. Um, is it like an Alexis Pfeiffer type figure, which means like he really cared for her and wants to make the relationship work? Or is he mad that she's just not fitting into the celebrity life that he now lives? It's, uh, I feel like there's tension there. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> there's definitely tension. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we head into the first verse with that. Tell me right now, you really want to spend your whole life alone, which, you know, if it is Alexis Pfeiffer, I mean, this album we know is following up the end of their engagements. So if Kanye is kind of calling back to Say You Will and uh, Heartless and even what he was talking about on Love Lockdown with like You Choose, uh, it seems like he's kind of saying here like, yeah, you're going to like make a big deal about these things and spend your whole life alone. Like, okay, like that's where we're going with it. So it does even after the mysteries of the refrain, it doesn't necessarily tell us what's going on, but it does kind of let us know how serious the subject matter is. Yeah. And he's also painting her as the problem exclusively. Like if you keep acting like the way you are, you're going to spend your whole life alone, but it also means they're going to break up and Kanye's the one who can't find anybody and he's going to be spending his life alone. <laughs> yeah. Which I mean, we saw on say you will and <laughs> yeah. Welcome to heartbreak. And yeah, just the, the sense of emptiness that he was feeling. Yeah. And um, that it's all her fault, but he's already painted on the album that like he's at fault for a lot of stuff. Like on welcome to heartbreak. Like he's the one that leaves the wedding. Yeah. Yeah, we know that this isn't just happening to him, that he often is picking his career and career obligations and putting them over people in his personal life. Yeah. Uh, a little time out might do you good, might do us good before we be done for good. <laughs> so what, taking a break in the relationship? Yeah, I guess. Um. And like, you know, you get a little breathing room, get a little distance, and maybe that'll keep us from breaking up for good. And he follows that up with, because I can make it good, you know? Yeah. Or I could make it hood. He doesn't say the or, but I think that's the uh, the implication. Like, I can be good to you or I can be hood <laughs> right. to you. And that's a parallel construction that follows up with, like, I can make you come, I can make you go. So I could keep you close or I can kick you out. So good is associated with come and then hood is associated with making you go. Um, and then there's also the sexual innuendo of I could make you come. Yeah. I, I, I got to say not the most flattering portrait he's painting of himself. Like first he says a little time out might do you good. Like he's treating her like a child. Yeah. And then like. I can make it good, like nice thing, or I can be like, I can make it hood, like I can get real, which is like intimidating. And then he's just like bragging about how good he has at sex. Like he, he's just, 
just complimenting himself constantly and degrading her constantly. Yeah. And I'm almost feeling like a God complex in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like I can make you high. Yeah. It's coming after heartless and, and uh, amazing. We're like, all he's doing is pumping up his ego, you know? Yeah. Amazing was very, uh, even though we talked about how like hollow those lines are, I still think there's a, an honest like belief that he is amazing. Totally. It's just, he feels empty in a lot of ways as well. Yeah. But here he's flexing that power. Like I can make you high. I can make you fly. Like I can treat you in the way that like makes you happy. Uh, I can also get you like drugs and like dress you in great clothes Yeah, and fly you around. <laughs> like, so it's getting into some lifestyle stuff there. That's very like, limelighty um that does recall Pusha T's portion of Runaway right yeah totally um and then make you touch the sky which (laughs) what a betrayal of touch the sky you know when we talked about that song it's in late registration and we've talked extensively about how college dropout and late registration are very inspirational like Kanye was very aware of trying to be someone who was inspiring like other people like him kids like him giving them a model they could look up to saying like hey I made it out of Chicago I was just like you like you can do this too you could go from working at the gap to releasing like a superstar album and to show that he had Lupe Fiasco on touch the sky Mm -hmm. and Lupe at that point was just an unknown like getting some like underground steam and acclaim rapper from chicago like touch the sky was his first major placement in the music industry and he's gone on to have an awesome career but that doesn't (laughs) probably happen i mean maybe it happens without that song but uh it happened i think because kanye put him on that song showing like here's another kid from chicago see see and now he's taking that same sentiment and we talked about how graduation was so much more egotistical and singular and a lot of the inspirational aspects became more self-reflective or uh, self-satisfying or self-aggrandizing rather than just truly like hey you can do this and here we have touched the sky compromised by no longer being about like you know, you can touch the sky, like you can do anything, but it's Kanye saying, I can make you touch the sky. Like girl, you can't touch the sky without me. I do that for you. Wow. That's a great point. Um, that in addition to that, I feel like this is the line to me that like kind of broke it open and made me start looking at the song a little differently. Um, because I agree with all that. That's a great way of looking at it, but it's also, again like i was talking about earlier like this is the moment i thought like oh like this is that thing kanye does where the woman represents fame i mean he's referencing one of his own songs here like he's practically like asking you to like make these connections um or in a weird way like fame is addressing kanye or that Kanye's trying to convince himself of fame by like using all of these things fame sold to him because like kanye achieved stardom and he knows how to achieve it 
And so he's presenting this lifestyle to this woman saying like, oh, you can come along and be part of it too. It's great. Like, what? look at me now. Like, I, everything's awesome. Um, which obviously is a lie. Like, he's just selling that. We know from graduation that like celebrityness, celebrity is empty. And it turned into somebody that was, that alienated his home city, uh, alienated his big brother. He became a different person who like you couldn't really root for. So like while he's presenting the life is awesome. It's likely that this woman, much like us, recognized that like recognize that there's like a darker side to all of this. Um, so thinking of it that way, that like Kanye, you could take this line like out of like the story and just think of Kanye like the writer, the the person who's in the moment, like trying to convince himself that being a celebrity is awesome, that being famous means touching the sky, that it's this really awesome thing you get to do, become a worldwide renowned celebrity. Um, it seems more indicative of the image of celebrity that was sold to him than like what his life has become. So either way you spin it, it's, it's sad. Like we're just watching this guy desperately trying to find real human connection through this lifestyle that he's already shown us is hollow. <laughs> that doesn't lead to connection. And it really saps away the energy of the song. And that's really when I kind of started reading the, the, the tone of the song differently because it is a fun boppy song and I enjoy listening to it on a superficial level, but like that reading, like knowing all of this about touch the sky and like what the song could be doing, like it gives the song a really like fraudulent feel, you know, like it, it feels counterfeit. And like I said, like the more bouncing hooky it becomes like the less honest it feels. Yeah, that's uh that's very well said and something we've talked about on the show since the beginning like whenever there's a song about Kanye and a girl unless it's like Kim on Wolves I think but it's yeah in all these instances where it's this like anonymous girl it's always like you can read it about his relationship with fame and about celebrity and yeah taking that idea of Kanye could be seen as the woman in this song and this is fame kind of talking to him or he's speaking as someone that is bought into this idea of fame and is just kind of repeating these things to her because it's what he tells himself however you try to like get specific about it it does come back to the fact that fame isn't everything that Kanye wanted it to be and he in a lot of ways is having the same paranoia that <laughs> this woman is feeling on this song and being gaslit much the same way that he's gaslighting this woman on the song. Yeah. It, you know what I thought of that I thought was kind of funny is you were talking about how like kind of gets better in his career and you could think of like Runaway as a better version of Paranoid. I almost think of Paranoid as a better version of Breathe and Breathe Out which is a song that is Whoa. similarly like boppy and catchy and like, <laughs> like, isn't this fun? But we all know that like that song's ridiculous. It's bullshit ice rap. And the more he's making bullshit ice rap, the more ridiculous it becomes <laughs> and indicative of like his character's journey on that album. And like how, how far down the rabbit hole he's become, like how bullshit of music he's making at this point. You know, making that comparison, I, I would go like a few songs, uh, up on the track list to new workout plan yeah sure. because that song is kanye as a salesman right 
mm-hmm. trying to convince people to buy this product because it's representative of him as an artist trying to make like just music that people will come to like this is the song you need to hear right like this is the song that everybody's gonna love like this song will change your life i promise you just please like listen to it by my music he's like the the snake oil musician is just putting out some like <laughs> poppy bullshit hoping that it catches on yeah um and here i feel like he's also kind of in that salesman attitude like he's trying to sell this woman on her reality being false and her perception being false uh and we know that he's not necessarily being like honest yeah wow to think that paranoid is an update of new workout plan i never would have thought it but here we are (laughs) ah man the places we go on this show i tell you what uh all right so hey maybe so all of the time you be up in mine checking through my cell phone (laughs) baby no (laughs) which uh yeah that would get exhausting great flow here by the way like yeah checking through my cell phone baby no like he he's really he's becoming more because he kind of raps more in the song but he's really musical if it's rapping in yeah. a way that i don't know if he's really been before no it is very like yeah i love Maybe it my chick myself like melodic rapping yes very much <laughs> Uh, you want to kill the vibe on another night. Yeah, so checking through the cell phone, like, this is really killing the vibe. Here's another fight. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Sounds like a fun relationship. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, and then we get the chorus, uh, Mr. Hudson and Kid Cudi coming in, which I think this is the first appearance of Mr. Hudson on this album, right? I do believe so. But he had worked on previous songs, but this is his vocal debut. Uh, Baby, don't worry about it. Lady, will go out to the floor. So he is like kind of brushing it out. Like, you know, we had yeah. another fight, but baby, don't worry about it. Let's just go out to the floor and dance, you know? Don't you just uh, want to dance? A, another sad moment. Like the idea that you could just go out and have fun and like live the celebrity life and it'll erase all your problems when that life is what's created all your problems. Yeah. And you just think about songs like I'm in it, Guilt Trip. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Blood on the Leaves as well. Like they're like at their first party, tried their first Molly, like running down the hallway screaming that you love me. And then the limelight tears you away like is this the woman uh, from blood on the leaves 
I often wonder about that. <laughs> I mean, any of the women on any of these songs could be the woman from Blood on the Leaves. <laughs> like, yeah, I know people will sometimes say it was like Amber Rose, but I don't know how much like Kanye pines or mourns about that relationship. Right. But I also don't know of if Alexis <clears throat> Pfeiffer is the type just from what I've seen from like interviews and things and the fact that she hasn't necessarily pursued the limelight since her and Kanye dated that she's one that would like get torn away from him by the limelight. Yeah. Right. Hmm. Well, it also doesn't have to be anybody in his That's life. That's exactly it just right. Be, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I feel a like concept. it works better as a concept than just Kanye's general relationship with fame. Yeah. Um, so, Okay. We'll go out to the floor, and then anyway, they don't know you. They don't know you like I do. They'll mm-hmm. never know you. Like, this chorus is a little disconnected when we first hear it. But I do think that, as we talked about in Heartless, if we talked about it there, this idea of, like, oh, they don't know you like I do. They'll never know you, blah, blah, blah. It tends to be one of the things that I feel mm-hmm. like you hear people in either emotionally or like psychologically or physically abusive relationships say to maintain like the connection like oh yeah i might have messed up but you know other people don't know you like i do and they'll never understand what it is that we have or like i know your friends hate me but they don't really know you you know i do like blah 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 yeah it's definitely that and also just like on a planar level it's just a revealing moment about kanye and he, he's being very nonchalant and like brushing off this woman like god settle down but here he reveals her like he really likes her a lot like people don't know you like i do like i really know you and and this could work uh let's go out and dance <laughs> he's like doing whatever he can to just like keep it going <laughs> it does give a little bit of hope like i pay attention to you like i care about you enough to know you like the sibilant whisper of somebody that just told you like you're crazy but you know what i love you're crazy all of the time you want to complain about the nights alone wow yeah uh which this does make me think a little more about like the stories in the wake of Connie's mom passing and him like doing so much for the uh, glow in the dark tour and then going on the tour i wonder if it kind of gets back to that kind of thing yeah but there's also irony in that moment of like we know from say you will that connie is spending nights alone and it's not enjoyable at all like that's something oh, you yeah. can complain about and he should listen to yeah like just feeling that like loneliness and is he like was he the one calling her out of the blue at this point oh ooh, chris layers layers uh 
so now you're here with me show show some gratitude Gosh. god so it's like you complain when you're like left alone all the time and you probably think i'm out like just partying and like banging women but now you're here with me show gratitude oh ugh. sadly i feel like i know guys like this not guys that are like my friends but i i hear from i've heard from girls like guys who talk like this to them and it's just kind of sad to think like oh this exists no yeah i remember seeing stuff like this in college and just being like yeah yeah why why uh leave the attitude way back at home (laughs) (laughs) which uh i do like the use of way back at home because it implies the fact that they have traveled somewhere and like somewhere far and kind of gets at the sense of like exotic like you got to go somewhere with kanye west like yeah aren't you pleased (laughs) this again feels this again feels like fame talking to kanye to me like i can't help but read that in like every line now like you're lucky to be out in this nightlife and be adored by others so shut up accept it and enjoy it uh even though there isn't much to enjoy and that enjoyment came at a huge fucking price yeah, like fame listens to Welcome to Heartbreak and is like, hey, man, <laughs> you leave that attitude back at home. Like, dance. <laughs> just go dance. Go perform on stage. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, it just makes me think of Pinocchio's yeah, story. And gives that's me the chills. first thing I thought of. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You see him look, baby, let him look and give you cold looks because we look cold, which <laughs> I like how it. I like how he plays that. It's like I'm imagining like I imagine the scene being like you see these other women looking at us and yeah, they're like giving you a mean look and that's not because we like she and I have hooked up and she's like jealous or mad at you. It's just looking that way because overall we look cold and they're just jealous, you know? Yeah. I mean, also it's a moment to me that recalls heartless. Um and how he talks about like coldest story ever told, coldest winter is a breeze. Like, if you know, if our theory is true that like Heartless is this turning point for Kanye and is really like the impetus for the Jesus character, and how he settles into this cold lifestyle that's presented to him, um, it's like presented to him like unflatteringly. <laughs> where like not like this woman is so cold like how could she do this to me and then he becomes that and now in this song like he's really settling into it and like finds power in looking cold it's uh it's an interesting just to see his character like going that far from who he used to be yeah he's no longer the guy in bed sleepless being like man yeah. <laughs> i mean that's another way to look at this song is that the relationship that early relationship did fall apart on love lockdown and this is the post relationship kanye dating someone new and just showing how this like heartless kanye now reacts in these relationships right but again it's all an act he's just acting heartless or he's like or i guess maybe his heart's been turned cold and this is how he is but he's also like the more he gives off this image the more he pushes away that old part of himself so in a way it's kind of an act yeah because you know that there's this like core kernel of pain yeah (laughs) so he's not like it's essentially like hurt people hurt people right yeah 
and this is him in the wake of the damage that he dealt with from songs one through five now like lashing out to somebody else because he's still hurting yeah and then you could look at paranoid robocop as like him pushing away and trying to inhabit that before complete sadness sets in and he gets some bad news yeah (laughs) yeah so this would kind of be like a microcosm like kind of in some ways like we saw following new slaves like that hold my liquor uh i'm in it like destructive relationship two songs before getting into the rest of the journey or even on my beautiful dark twisted fantasy you have the initial songs that take place in reality right dark Mm -hmm. fantasy uh gorgeous power and then the transition into fantasy which is all of the lights kind of setting up this fantastic world and the life that Kanye's living there and how insane it kind of is mm-hmm. and different compared to where he's at leading into the two songs that represent the like twisted fantasy aspect like of the lifestyle with um, monster and so appalled both kind of getting at like look at the excess look at the attitude look at the ego that sets up the last run of relationship songs yeah of devil in a new dress runaway uh, hell of a life blame game lost in the world so all of those songs kind of need monster and so appalled to set the stage for the world that the relationship's taking place in it's almost like kanye might have paranoid and robocop as kind of showing in the wake of his relationship falling apart just where his <laughs> like post like next relationships or dating life has gone yeah and right. how like frustrating it is man man kind of got really good at that storytelling thing didn't he he absolutely did <laughs> Oof. um okay because we look cold yeah you heard about all the word of mouth <laughs> so i guess that's something too like maybe re- uh, like relating back there's the word of mouth that i was like with this girl don't worry about that or just you heard about other rumors about me and he just writes it off as like, don't worry about what we can't control, you know? Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, that's interesting. Just thinking of him as a celebrity in that moment, again, feels like a moment he's trying to convince himself, like, God, don't worry about everything everybody's saying. You know, ignore the flashing lights. Like, don't worry about the people screaming in the crowd. Just just do it. Just keep going. And we know at some point he can't do that. No, he can't. Uh all the talk in the world lost in the world Hmm. wow hmm till you finally let that thing go i i wonder how that line should be read like genius has it as all the talk in the world lost in the world as in like all the talk in the world is lost in the world oh um but i wonder if there should be a comma like all the talk in the world comma lost in the world i feel like the way he says it conveys a comma yeah oh well, you could almost read it like don't worry about what we can't control all the talk in the world like we can't control all the talk in the world comma lost in the world till you finally let that thing go yeah, yeah. Ooh, that's interesting i haven't really thought i always just like separate all of that like we can't control and then yeah all the talk in the world is a extension of that and the lost in the world is just like a thought that comes from that like kind of separate yeah, interesting. It, it That's a really, um, I wonder if there's like a name for that kind of wordplay or like 
or lyric writing like, like the jump from one thought to the next but like they all actually kind of mesh together and are of one that's interesting me yeah i don't know the only thing that jumps out is like stream of conscious which doesn't right. necessarily like convey what you're saying in terms of like independent but causal yeah it really makes this moment seem chaotic and like Kanye just running through a lot of thoughts and trying to convince this woman desperately and trying to convince himself this is a good thing and blah 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 yeah he's really selling hard (laughs) (laughs) and I do like the idea like talk in the world like all the talk in the world can leave you lost in the world till you finally let that thing go so the more that you're concerned about what people are saying like what's going on about these things you can't control the more it increases this sense of feeling lost in the world which i do think we see happen like the song right before lost in the world on my beautiful dark twisted fantasy is blame game where he's like going back and forth with this girl about things that were wrong in their relationship um and then overhearing a phone call (laughs) um (laughs) there's just something i don't know it's it feels very like kind of foreshadowy but also relevant in some ways thinking like to think back i feel like when we're talking about my beautiful dark twisted fantasy especially lost in the world we'll come back to this song interesting all right yeah let's remember that yeah and that idea of till you finally let that thing go i think that's the the big thing Mm. and what that thing is and that gets back to what you've been saying about like the connection to fame like kanye also has to let things go and until he does he will feel lost in the world he's the one that wants to check into the heartbreak hotel Mm. but sorry we're closed (laughs) which is (laughs) kind of funny because like this album is him checking into the heartbreak hotel but here it's like saying that she wants to kind of end the relationship or she wants to make things a bigger deal than what they are. And he's essentially saying like, nope, like, nah, we're not breaking up. Like, you're not going to be sad about this. Like, Carpreak Hotel is closed. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's that's probably a, a better reading that I was thinking. I, I almost wondered, like, Connie's experienced such heartbreak that what she's trying to convey as heartbreak like isn't real heartbreak like i'm the manager of the heartbreak hotel and we're closed right now like you can't even come fucking in like i've like almost in a way saying like i've moved on from the all this heartbreak and i'm ready to be like a normal person and you're dragging me down even we even though we know that's not true yeah something to that idea of like yeah you're trying to make this like worse and i'm not going back to that place with you yeah basically that yeah and plus i mean looking at the idea that he just lost his mom like thinking about like oh you're upset because some people are saying something yeah yeah you don't deserve a room here (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah i've always viewed it as him just denying the same way that he like in that opening verse is kind of denying the breakup you really want to spend your whole life alone like you want to check into the heartbreak hotel nah (laughs) (laughs) you don't want to do that You need me. Is he in the Heartbreak Hotel and say you will? (laughs) Yeah, is that that where he's trying to sleep? Mm. 
then we get the chorus coming back baby you don't don't worry about it baby we'll go out to the floor just you know <laughs> just really <laughs> obsessed with the dance floor yeah kind of uh, doing a lot of great uh scening here too in the background yeah the refrain comes in again but this time we get the uh you worry about the wrong things the wrong things you worry about the wrong things following up the chorus so yeah um he's just kind of reinforcing the fact that like you're too paranoid like they don't know you how i do you worry about the wrong things like don't even think about anything at all never question the nature of your reality (laughs) question what i'm doing uh, and then we end with like Hudson and Cuddy just repeating, they don't know you like I do. They'll never know you, which kind of just becomes that like controlling refrain. Yeah. Also uh, a motif on this album, like this, a lot of songs end with just something being repeated over and over. Um, and, and just like say you will, it's like the second half of the song is all instrumental, which I think is really interesting because like while it's still upbeat and catchy and everything, it's becomes a really like heavy sound. Like that light and boppy that da 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 like that's been there the whole song, like that goes away completely at the end. And we're just left with this like reverberating bass drum, you know, and like an incessant cymbal that's clashing. But it it really does remind me of Say You Will and the kind of storyline that's being conveyed via the production. Because for the second half of Say You Will, it 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 the the lyrics go away, but like the the energy stays exactly the same. It's the exact same instrumentation and everything. And it's meant to enhance that melancholic feel that we heard the whole song and put you in the moment. But the second half of Paranoid contradicts the entire first half of the song. And gives off a very different feel and has a much heavier feel in line with a lot of the songs we had heard so far. So again, I think it's meant to kind of reveal the the dark underbelly of what's going on and how Connie can like brush this thing off and say, like, they don't know you like I do, like convey like he really likes her, like she just needs to come around. Like, no, that's not really the case. Like he's probably pushing her further away and like once again making himself lonely. Yeah, there's kind of a, a self-destructive confidence <laughs> yes. to everything that he's saying. And that don't they don't know you like I do. They'll never know you. I feel like knowing someone and this sense of like identity and like how open you are to others is another motif on the album. Sure. So like you think about Pinocchio's story and Kanye like being torn between like wanting to be a real boy and feeling like a puppet and trying to pour his heart out to the crowd and wondering like how much they really know him. Mm -hmm. Like you have people that see Kanye the artist, but do they know Kanye the person and the pain that kind of creates? And I think that there's just this like motif of like knowing 
like someone else and knowing yourself and like how much do you really know and how much do you think you know that this outro kind of is a good like embodiment of totally i mean yeah how much does kanye know himself (laughs) in this moment like should he know that like celebrity isn't that great and that like maybe he needs to change his life to like make this relationship work and more fulfilling yeah Hmm. but it's um i think it's thought-provoking in a lot of this like questions because what's seemingly one dimensional does end up having these layers uh, as you were saying at the start of like how much does this apply to him himself and how much does this actually underlie someone that's being self-destructive or needy and not knowing how to express it um in a way so this song ends up having these multiple ways of interpreting it that go beyond just the like superficial line reading yeah best part of this whole song though is you can ignore all that bullshit and just dance to it yeah right you can go (laughs) i wonder if that's like kind of why it's such a bop yeah that's a good point because him saying like we'll go out to the floor so he's trying to make it a little like dancey because he's trying to convey that like sense of fun even though (laughs) there's all this like tension and ugliness going on oh man you're going right up my alley by saying something like that. You're making me like the song even more. <laughs> yeah, that's now my head cannon. <laughs> uh, this is him trying to get her not to think about it. I guess the the question then is, do you think this is the same woman from Say You Will, Love Lockdown? Um, I don't. I I always read this as. Like he moves on from the woman and say you will. Maybe the woman is is the same and say you will and heartless. But from there, like I kind of think of it as like the woman from my minute. Like we are now just seeing women in his life as he heads out into this new lifestyle or whatever. Okay, so you think the woman from RoboCop is the same from Paranoid or on her own? Uh, I guess I always read them as different women. Like at this stage in Connie's life, like he just bounces from woman to woman. Yeah, and then bad news is kind of him coming back and like reflecting on the initial woman. Yeah. Oh. Okay. I think I'm with you on that. But I don't know. With this is why we do line by line dissections to find this shit out. <laughs> right. What's the nuance? What's the secret of this song? We're gonna sure like the shit out of this album. Yeah, and RoboCop will be the next one. Well, any final thoughts on Paranoid? I know we had talked in a couple episodes that Paranoid had been your favorite on the album and then fallen down and you were interested in terms of like doing this to see if it rose back up to its previous glory or just how you're feeling. Like, Where does it kind of land for you now? You know what? Before I actually started digging into the lyrics and like thinking about the nuance of everything, like the second I heard the opening notes... I kind of went back. (laughs) I was like, oh man, I I love this song. Like I kind of forgot how much I loved it. Maybe it's because I'm in 808's mode and like I'm in the album and I'm putting it in the context of everything. And I just, I love the feel of it instantly. Uh, But I think also since I've liked 808's, um, I I haven't, I mean, I, I come back to all kind of albums and have listened to 808's a ton 
and I've and I've heard paranoid a lot, but I feel like I haven't dug into it in this way since I did get into new wave music and shit like New Order and you know the Go Go's and like I I love that kind of music and this really is mimicking that and I I just love it for that. So right now I love this song. Okay, good. I'm happy to hear you two have reconnected. <laughs> yeah, I'll be interested to see where it lands in each of our lists. Yeah, I'm uh I'm curious about that as well. Hmm. Because like I still don't know how high I would rank it maybe. Um like I I do think it's deep and layered and stuff, but I don't know if it's as deep as the other songs and if I'm and I'm more just liking it for superficial reasons. I think that's kind of where I landed going through it. It was like interesting, but it wasn't like leaving me as like gobsmacked as some of the others that we've covered so far. Like heartless was more of a moment where I was like, Oh shit. Like, like some deep shits going on here. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like in some ways feels a little more simple to me than say you will. (laughs) Well, I don't think say you will simple at all. Yeah, which, like, (laughs) say Will just being, like, eight lines, right? And it has, like, so much depth and, like, emotion to it. And I think a lot of people would be like, well, there's way more to, like, bite off and paranoid. And it's like, I almost feel like say you Will accomplishes more in its eight lines. You know, I was kind of, I'm scared to say this. I was kind of feeling that way about Love Lockdown. Like, I love that song and I think it's powerful, but. Like when I went through my notes and everything, and I was like, I feel like I don't have as much to say about this song. I mean, I can see it. I don't necessarily, I don't, I don't necessarily like it, but I can see it. All right. I, I, was, I mean, I, I was, I got to review all these before we do our ranking. So I'm not saying where it's at or anything. I mean, but part of me feels like Say You Will is like a deeper song than like most songs. <laughs> right. So. Maybe it's bad to compare it to things. Right. Well, Say You Will is, uh, I mean, we did spend two hours fucking talking about it, and there's barely any lyrics in it. <laughs> it just conveys so much. Arr. Okay. Well, RoboCop next. Do we have to watch the RoboCop movie in preparation for RoboCop? I watch it every night before bed, so yeah, that'll be easy for me. <laughs> All right. I don't think I own the Blu-ray yet. No, I do. I, I think, love RoboCop. I think it's coming out on 4K, so I'm gonna I'm gonna have to get it. Nice. Have you noticed a difference in like 4K? Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. I still haven't experienced a 4K movie. Oh yeah, it's awesome. You you should definitely do it. Damn. We'll get a new TV at some point. Yeah. Whenever then, you get a new TV. Then it'll be the time. Yeah. Okay. And maybe RoboCop will be the first one I watch. Ooh, make a make a promise right now to Kanye. RoboCop, RoboCop will be the first one I watch. <laughs> I promise. Okay, hey. Kanye's gonna hold you to it. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> Just get a text that's like, "This is Kanye. Have you, you watched RoboCop on your new 4K TV?" Yeah, and if you say no, he just like cancels you. Oh God. I like the idea that I'm like, I don't have a 4K TV yet. And he's like, check the front door. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's suddenly a TV. I'm just like, thank you, Kanye. Yeah. 
in a RoboCop outfit. And he's like, let's go make our own RoboCop right now. <laughs> that would be great. That'd be pretty nuts if he did that. I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> is that a line from something? Are you kidding me? What is that from? RoboCop. Oh, RoboCop. That's right. I, I, I heard <laughs> it and I thought it was like a line from like a spoof or something. Uh, I'd buy that for right. a dollar. That's a, I mean, it is like this goofy guy that shows yeah. up on the TV all the time. So it's like spoofy in the movie, but it's funny. Cause like I could perfectly picture that. I just couldn't place what movie it was in. Yeah. You, Ro- you would think I would have just guessed the movie we were talking about here. I was like saying, I was like, man, that was great. I just brought it full circle. Like great job, Chris. Uh, like what movie i'm like no did it even did it even land i shouldn't be allowed to be on the robocop episode (laughs) you're off subbing you out jordan subbed in all right i'll just be silently sitting here (laughs) we should ask jordan if he wants to do the robocop episode yeah sure maybe we'll maybe we'll put out a robocop episode but we just talk about the movie instead with jordan fake him out fake him out (laughs) All right. Well, then, until the RoboCop episode. Yeah, uh, keep it, unlike us, keep it wavy. Yeah, and loopy. And they ask me, they ask me, they ask me, I tell them. Raise your glasses, your glasses, your glasses to the sky. This is the last call for alcohol for the So get your ass up off the wall. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.